Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tell my mama, tell my daddy I love is falling from the sky Hey, this is Steve Balton and welcome back to My Turning Point where this week co-host Sage Baba and I talk with the incredible Danielle Ponder This interview was so much fun. What an amazing story Ponder has, going from being a public defender in Rochester to one of the best vocalists in music today. Her live shows are incredible. We had a blast talking with her. Hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Is it in Miami today? Oh my God, it's beautiful. It's like 85 degrees, honey. First of all, Bottle Rock sets, amazing. Troubadour, was fucking mind blowing. That was show was so, so good. That was one of the best. I've been to a thousand shows at the Troubadour. That was one of wow. the best shows I've ever seen there. Wow, thank you. It was so good. So, and let me introduce you to I, all of it. All of the credit goes to this wonderful angel over here who acts Rochester and was like, we're sitting down there and she's like, okay, prepare to be moved. And then you blew our mind. So this is Sage, who's both an amazing artist and does all interviews with me at this point. Oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. My phone is acting crazy right now. But nice to meet you. Fellow Rochester. I know. What part of Rochester are you from? Born outside, so in Honeyway Falls, in the farmland. But... Yeah, I went to Aquinas in the city, so. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I think uh, Steve and I both agreed Creep was one of the best things that we'll ever see in this lifetime. <laughs> just what uh, you did with that song, I was just chills the whole time. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so nervous about that show, but in the end, I was very happy about how it how it went. It's interesting, though, that you say that you were nervous. I mean, it's funny for you, you know, was there a moment where you sort of got comfortable then on stage or realized that I guess, you know, that could be a metaphor for everything is as you start to get into things and realize, because I mean, you know, as much as we love the music, I loved mm-hmm. what you had to say. It was so inspirational, you know, on so many levels. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I think I was nervous just because it was the troubadour and I knew there was a lot of people coming and my managers were making me very aware of who was in the room. And, um, 
So I think I, you know, was just more like wanted to make sure it was a great show. Um, but I usually don't get nervous. It's I'm so used to performing and being on stage. I've been doing it for 20 years. It, it's become just like second nature for me. But um, that, that show just felt like a, a moment, you know, a moment that you really want to deliver on. So that's interesting. Did that carry over to Bottle Rock then? Because it's funny, we were walking up Saturday and we could hear you through downtown Napa and your voice was just resonating through the whole city in this beautiful way. It was like, and people were just stopping and staring like, wait, what is that? Ooh, wow. You know, Bottle Rock, I think was, was I was very relaxed, but I, I was, my throat had been um, bothering me. So I was just like concerned about how that was gonna show up. But it was, you know, I also didn't know how many people were going to be there because we had an early set. So sometimes you go to big festivals in the early sets, people are just kind of still getting there. But it was pretty, it was a decent crowd. It was really great. I was cool. thinking about it this morning. Um, the, the similarities between working as a musician and a lawyer and like when you're prepping for a show and you're getting ready, like... I wonder how much crossover there is because like as a speaker, as a presence, you're so vibrant in both. Do you mm -hmm. find that there's actually quite a lot of similarities when you're preparing to, you know, be this, this force and in, in different ways, but it's a lot of kind of similar ways too. I think, you know, the both jobs or both, um, Things, both being a lawyer and being a musician require an ability to connect with people. And I think like that's my talent um, is to pull people in, whether it's emotionally or spiritually or um, whatever, um, just being able to connect and to be able to tell a story in a way that really elicits empathy from the listener. And obviously, as a public defender, you do that every day. Every day you're telling someone's story, right? Um, you're expanding beyond the black and white, where the district attorney might be like, well, he did, he has 50 uh, petty larcenies on his record, right? Just black and white math. And then you are, your job is to dig deeper and to, to let the court know um, what your client's struggles are, to give them a three-dimensional view of who they are. Um, so it's definitely a storytelling job. Um, it's a job that requires creativity and all that requires you to ask yourself, how do I get people to understand? And I think that's what I'm doing every day on stage is, is trying to get people to understand either where I'm coming from or the human condition to put some descriptors on it to help us understand what the fuck we're doing. Mm. And in writing these songs, what do you find was the core inspiration in the process of writing? Was do you, do you have the idea first, or is it kind of channeling exercise where you allow like, the writing to happen and then you discover what it's about after? Yeah, it, for me, it always starts with the music. And then I will just get on and start working on the melody. And usually I'm just kind of doing gibberish, just saying whatever. Um, and then I kind of go back and there's some lines that I'll actually keep. 
And that's what I, I kind of love about my creative process. It almost feels like a download from from something higher. Um, uh, the song is a song I wrote called Frey, where I, in my gibberish, just said, I live on the distance. And so then I had to figure out what does that mean? Why did that come to me? What is this about? And from there, I crafted the song, you know, about struggling with anxiety um, in relationships. So I that's kind of like the process for me. The lyrics are the last thing. Usually it's the music and the melody first. Is that the song that you feel brings you closest to the beyond? Mm. Um, not Frey. It brings me closer to myself mm -hmm. um, world, but I think Roll the Credits is a song that kind of brings me closer to like a higher power or a, yeah, a, a more divine world, I guess I would say. And what's the song that you haven't written that does that for you? A song that I haven't written? Like yeah. someone else? Mm -hmm. um, um, I think The Light by Nick Hakeem is always a good meditation song for me. Um. Uh, Alice Coltrane, about anything by her. Um, Nina Simone, Everything Must Change. Uh, Bob Marley, Time Will Tell. Those are just songs that can transport me. Yes, I'm so fascinated by how songs just have this ability to connect us to self and to something other, like almost better than anything, in my opinion. Um, and often how songs that you write over time become something completely new to yourself. Cool. Is there a song that you feel like most represents that as far as having written it and then years or months later realizing, oh, that's what that's about? Cool. Um. Maybe the only way out, because I wrote the hook like almost 20 years ago. Um, it's so hard to believe I was 20, you know, 20 years ago. I was 21 years old. That's crazy. Um, but I wrote on time ago, but the 41 year old woman, the lyrics I wrote at 21 do have a bigger meaning. Um, at 21, I probably didn't have the complexities or the experience to really understand the complexities behind the statement. Sometimes the broken heart is the only way out. Um, I just knew I was sad and this guy shouldn't have dumped me, you know, but <laughs> when I finished the song, I was able to expand because I've had more lived experiences. Right. And so when I say, you know, you got to go through it to get through it, that's a line that a 41 year old woman wrote because she knows, you know, your heart's going to, but the only way through it is to just keep pushing forward. Um, so, yeah, I love that song because it's a hybrid of my 21-year-old self, my 24-year-old self, and my 41-year-old self. So it's so interesting for you when you look back on these songs, though. Well, I guess, actually, even when, are you surprised by the honesty in them then? Because I really appreciated how much you talked about the honesty and being yourself now. 
And I think that's something that we both gravitated to. But it's interesting. I feel like it's something that as you as every older, they get more comfortable just being themselves. So are you surprised by the honesty in some of the earlier songs? And, and you know, for you now, is it something that just is, I guess, where was the point where you realized that you wanted to be 100% yourself in these songs? Well, you know what? I, I had a long journey of songwriting. Um, when I first started writing songs, everything was very political. Um, and I felt like there was no need to write about love or romance. That was just silly stuff compared to the things that are going on every day in society. Um, and then I think Nina Simone um, is a big inspiration. And, and she kind of gave me permission to expand um, my you know, pen to include, to talk about love, that it, you can do both, right? But even then, I still had, all of my songs had to have this upbeat, encouraging message. It had to resolve with a, but I love myself, but I'll be happy, you know? And I was doing more like upbeat music as well. So to be honest, I was really afraid when I put this album out because I knew there, it didn't have resolution in some places. And I knew that I was talking about shit that's kind of sad. There's a lot of sad shit on the album. And <laughs> everybody knows me for being more inspiring, encouraging, like, you know, more like Lizzo-esque music. You know what I mean? Um, and what I'm learning is that being honest about problems can also be inspiring. Being vulnerable can be inspiring, encouraging. Um, because it's not the type of in inspiration that says, you're the best, you're the greatest, you can do it. It's the type of inspiration that says we all go through things. I'm struggling with it as well. And that type of inspiration helps you feel less alone. Um, and, you know, in some way, convoluted way does get you to the place of I can do this. Danielle's on stage talking about her anxiety. She's surviving it. So, it, it, you know, it's survival testimony um, is always a beautiful way to encourage people who are struggling to keep pushing forward. And I think that's what um, I see in this, this, this album. It's interesting. It's funny what you say about, you know, like, are people going to be okay with that? You know, because it's an interesting thing. I think that people relate very well. Have you been surprised then by the response to this album and by people being so, um, you know, again, people who see themselves in songs. And I think that what the, what makes a great song is universality. So you can write the most intimate song in the world, like a song like Hollow Notes, Sarah Smile, that's literally written about one woman in name Sarah. And somehow everybody in the world is like, but I want to be Sarah, or I want to live that life, or I want that intimacy, because people yeah. relate to it. So have you been surprised by how much people related to your honesty? And yet you're talking about your anxiety and yeah, I am. I So many people come up to me and share their struggles with relationships, with anxiety, with, you know, feeling not good enough, with being older and trying to make a career change. Um, it, it's unbelievable how much we really have in common. We are tribal by nature and we have created a bunch of things to divide us. But at our basic levels, you know, we're all searching for love and validation and we all struggle in many of the same ways when we don't have that or feel we don't have that. Um, 
So it's been remarkable the type of messages that I get, what people share with me. Um, yeah, that that shocks me. I didn't think this album would open up the heart so much for people. Um, so it's been nice to see. Has there been one song that you've gotten the most response to that's kind of surprised you? Um, so funny enough, I would say it's Creep. Um, <laughs> because of what we do at the end of Creep. You know, we kind of riff into this new, different song um, and with lyrics that I've added. And really those lyrics, I never wrote them down. It was just one show we were doing Creep and at the end I just went there. Um, and I think it's something about <clears throat> how beautiful that song was written. And I think what I do at the end is just expand on the meaning of it. Um, and I really love direct songwriting. Um, I think for like black culture, it's been very important to have direct songwriting um, because we had to use our songs to actually communicate for survival purposes. Um, so we say exactly, you know, we don't, I would say it's less uh, less abstract. It's just, <laughs> um, I know you feel alone and I feel alone too, period. You know what I mean? And I think taking that Radiohead song and turning it into a direct confrontation with the feeling of irrelevance or not quite sure what your purpose is, is really impactful for the audience. Yeah, it's funny going back to what Sage was asking about that, the, you know, sort of the channeling. When you look back on that video, the first time you did Creep, do you know where those improvised lyrics came from? Or was it just something that you just felt that moment and then that kind of, you know, became part of the song for you? You know, I think at that time I had quit my job, but we were in the pandemic. And that the the words I don't belong here or do I belong here just is what I took and ran with. You know, when I and then when I added, is there a reason for my life? Is there a purpose in my life? I think it just came from being in the pandemic, having left my job as a lawyer for the first time and not really sure what the fuck was about to happen or what was going on. So I think that song really came from that that space of am I doing the right thing? Cool. Sage, you want to jump in? Because uh, we only have like a few minutes left and, you know, obviously you guys have that whole Rochester and both being amazing vocalist connection, so. <laughs> vocalist. Nice. Yeah. It's funny. I loved, I loved like hearing you talk about connecting to yourself over the years. I'm sure that's so trippy to like make these songs that you've written over the years come all together. Um, I'm curious what you would tell Danielle from that time of your life. If there's any words that you would tell her or you would just let it be and let life ride like it has. It's hard for me to tell her don't chase these men because <laughs> men have given really good songs. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could tell her anything different um, because I think it's what I've created is based on my experiences. Um, 
So I would alter anything in my past because um, where I am is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And it's allowed me to write songs that really resonate with people. You know, sure, I could tell her, you're beautiful, you, you sh you're confident, you should, but I, I kind of had to go through all the things I went through. Um, I was telling someone this yesterday, I think what allows my music to be relatable is of someone who's had 41 years of life. Um, so I can write about a six-year relationship that went south and you're now you're afraid to be single again. Um, a 19-year-old can't, you know what I mean? So I just think that there's a perspective from having a lived experience and I think all of my experiences have led me here. So is Rochester still home for you or now you're flying with the wind? I've been there in a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's still home. How about you? Are you in Rochester still? I'm in LA currently, but um, my folks are in Rochester, so I go up there quite a bit. Yeah, you know, you can also living girl i'm just like mm -mm. you know keep houses and i'm not home a lot anyway so i go to la for sessions and things like that but rochester's my home bed yeah well i'll be there very soon you're probably gonna go to rochester jazz fest oh okay cool yeah wait, well you mentioned the six years of being single wait i have to ask because you mentioned this at the show did mm -hmm. you meet any rich millionaires there I was very disappointed in that. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is to be single for regular schmegular folks because every fucking day announcing that shit. So <laughs> it's hard for me. So, child, I don't, I don't know. One thing I know is men always come. They always come around. Or, you know, what hist history can tell all of us is you always find the next partner. Right. It just it just happens. So this is for Forbes. And what is it, a column or? Yeah, it's just regular interviews I do for Forbes. And then Sage started doing them all with me, you know, just for fun. And then it turns out she's really freaking good at it. So I was like, fine. Right. Nothing better than talking to interesting people about interesting things. So what's coming up for you? What are you excited about? Um, I'm going to Europe to do a tour in July. I'm really excited about that. We've got Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza, Newport Folk Fest, uh, which is a bucket list for me. Um, it's just, you know, I'm just crossing out things on my bucket list every month, it feels like. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to start writing a new album. So Lollapalooza I've been to many times because Perry Farrell, who created it, is a good friend. Uh, mm. That one I love. We're actually doing, Sage and I are interviewing the head of Newport Folk Fest very soon. I mean, for these festivals, you know, are there artists that you get very excited to meet, collaborate with, whatever it is? I mean, was there anybody you got to hang out with at Bottle Rock? Uh, at Bottle Rock, I didn't get to hang out with anyone. Um, and... I didn't really get to see any shows uh, because we were there early and then it was really hard for the artists to get into regular. It was, as far as accessibility after your performance, it, it was really difficult. Um, but I did see Leon Bridges and that was nice. I love that, dude. So who mm -hmm. would be the dream collaborator at this point, just for fun? Um. Man, I just provided someone a list of my dream collaborators. 
Um, there's a lot. Lauren Hill, Roger Waters. Um, but I have to say, who would I like to see myself on stage with right now? It's probably Gladys Knight. I love her voice. And I just, I think we would do a killer uh, collab together. What song would you do with her? You know, either neither one of us or Midnight Train to Georgia. Yeah. I mean, to <laughs> me, she's arguably as good a voice as anybody that's ever been, you know, and it's funny because Sage recorded a version of uh, Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me because I asked her to do it. And I was like, if you can sing that song, that's how you prove you have vocal chops. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's when you, as a singer, when you notice, you know when someone's a good singer when you start covering their songs, right? Then you're like, oh, shit. Ooh, oh, okay, I got to go there. I got to do that. Ooh, I had to cover <laughs> Whitney's song and I was like, ooh, wow. You don't realize when you're listening as the kind of more passively all of the vocal skills that are in a song. But the moment you try to cover it, oof. <laughs> Like, All right, whoa. so wait, now I'm curious on this, and I'm going to let Sage wrap it up, but is there one song for you that's been the hardest to cover or that you've enjoyed covering? And it's funny because the other thing I've talked about this with so many artists, right, is you can do a song or you can love a song, and like you say, until you get into it, you don't really know the nuances. Yeah. So you mean a song that I asked the first part of the question? Again? Like either a song that for you that you have always wanted to cover that you haven't tackled yet or the one that's been hardest for you to do to this point. I think like after that experience with Whitney Houston, I've stayed away from her catalog. <laughs> like, <laughs> Whitney song, I never went back. I just was like, uh, it's too much. It's too much. Um, I would say Joni Mitchell is also very difficult to cover. Her melodies are really complex um and it's it you know it's, it's hard to follow you know if you think about like paint by numbers they have the ones for the little kids where it's just like six numbers um and then Joni Mitchell's song is like 80 fucking numbers <laughs> it's like <laughs> really 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 uh smart songwriting um and her melodies are very complex so I kind of just have decided I'll let Joni Mitchell, Whitney Houston, uh, you know, I'll leave them alone. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Sage, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Um, your sound is so distinctive, right? Which just like boils down to every aspect of it. Do you feel like you've arrived at that sound being you or do you see this next album really changing in, in what it sounds like and just allowing yourself to like play everywhere still, or do you feel like you've locked into what that truth is in, in the aspect of the sound? Yeah, I, I really love my sound, but I also think there's more, there's further to go. Um, I don't completely nailed it, to be honest. No one would know that but me, um, but I have other things that I want to add to the sound and I'm really ready to kind of take it to a next level. I think it will still always be me at its core, but you know, I think we always have to improve upon our designs. So is there one artist that you really admire the most for the way that they've improved on their designs for the way that they've been able to evolve and grow 
and continually shift in their career. And of course, you mentioned Joni. I mean, I think for a lot of people, she's kind of become the archetype of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, beyond her, I would say Erica Badu. Like, uh, Erica Badu has stayed relevant for 20, you know, 30 years. Um, she, Erica Badu is 50 now, and she still is, sounds like herself, but is just able to create things that that are relevant to the time. Um, and so I really love her career. Like I admire her ability to just be dope in every decade. Cool. Anything that you want to add we didn't ask you about? Nope. Cool. Well, <laughs> I thank you very much for your time. It was a great pleasure. And Sage? Thank you, Danielle. I can't wait to see more shows and see what's next. You're truly an inspiration. Thank you so much, Sage, and good luck with your music. And thank you guys for interviewing me. Thank you. Of course, it was a great pleasure. I can't wait to see the next show because that LA show was insane. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been listening to My Turning Point with co-host Sage Baba and special guest Danielle Ponder. Thank you so much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.